gone. For we walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Everybody say, but mighty. But mighty, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Give somebody a high five, tell them you love them, and be seated in the presence of God. I want to talk this morning, not long, but it's, it's very uh, unique. It's a, a unique morning for me because most oftentimes I know almost within 10 words what I'm going to say before I come up on the platform. Now, we, we are completely willing to throw our plan out the window if the Lord would have something else, uh, but this morning, even... Uh, up to the time I walked on the platform, I've got about six different directions to go. So I'm, I'm somewhat idling my engines to see which way the Lord uh, would like to take this this morning and what He would like to have said. But uh, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a title to my message today. Nice words or no words. Nice words or no words. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are not human type. They are not flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against people. Amen? We do not wrestle against things in the flesh. However, our weapons are mighty. They are mighty not through our own ability, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, strongholds get a bad rap because most of the time we only hear about them from the standpoint of a negative stronghold. Uh, but the Bible says uh, that God is, He's a stronghold. The Bible says also that He is a strong tower and the righteous, that's you and me, who are the righteousness of God in Christ, we can run to Him and be safe. But our weapons are not... Uh, fleshly, meaning I for one am glad of that because more often than not, I don't always have the best words to say to somebody in a disagreement. Uh, I, don't, I don't want the burden of trying to figure out the way to describe a thing. I don't want the burden of trying to figure out the exact right things to say. So if you go into the court of law uh, in the natural, uh, the attorney, the, your attorney, their attorney, they're going to be arguing a case point by point, uh, but in the body of Christ, it is not a point by point argument. There is one point, and that one point changes everything. Uh, but the weapons of our warfare, they are not... In human type, they are not the things that we can derive between our ears. However, they are mighty through God uh, to the pulling down of strongholds. But most people never activate their weapons. Most people go to battle uh, uh, without utilizing their, the weapons that they, that they have at their disposal. Uh, you know, the Bible says that we should lay aside every weight that holds us back and the sin that so easily besets us, but it never says we should set our weapons down. 
On the exact contrary, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 6, when it describes the armor of God, the armor of God is described as the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, uh, uh, shoes that are formed in the preparation of the peace of God, uh, truth as your belt, and the sword of the Spirit. Uh, there are two of those weapons that you have to hold on to at all times. The other ones you just put on daily. So let me give you an example. If you wear a hard hat to work, you don't have to hold your hard hat all day long to keep your hard hat on. Your hard hat stays on, but you better put your hard hat on in the morning lest you bump your head on something that would hurt you. You see what I'm saying? Uh, your belt, my belt, I have not had to hold my belt the whole time I'm standing up here. I put my belt on this morning and it is staying in place. I didn't have to tie my shoes every five minutes. I tied my shoes before I left the house and the preparation of the gospel of peace is not something that you have to hold on to. But the shield of faith, if you open your hand, it falls to the ground. The sword of the Spirit, if you open your hand, the sword would fall to the ground. There are two weapons of our warfare that have to be grasped and held on to lest they fall out of our grip. It is a powerful thing to recognize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, but they are necessary for us to put in play just the same way. Ephesians 6 said, you put on the full armor of God. doesn't say God's going to put on the full armor on you. He says, you put on the full armor of God. It's the same way with our weapons. You have to decide every single day, I'm going to believe God that the helmet of salvation is not going to fall off. I'm going to believe God that the belt of truth is not going to fall off. I'm going to believe God that I'm, re I'm prepared uh, with the gospel of peace. But at the end of the day, you've got to hold on to faith and you've got to hold on to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've got to hold on. Bump your neighbor and say, hold on. I could preach a whole message just on holding on. I, what, you ask me my testimony, I got a testimony of holding on. I got a testimony of, 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 of everything coming against and just refusing to believe that and just holding on anyway. Can anybody testify that just holding on can change a Christian's life? But so many people go into battle without their weapons. Uh, but, and our weapons are, are, are unique because they are, they're like, I don't know if you've ever played spades or 42, uh, but, but in, in, when you play spades, one suit in the deck of cards becomes a trump card. So you could have the highest card in another suit and the lowest card in the trump set, in the trump group, and you still win. The thing is, when you are playing cards or you're playing dominoes, you have a limited amount of trump cards. But when you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it trumps everything and there is no limit to the amount of time that you can use it. So for you and for me, this week, I want you to focus on using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, without reservation, without uh, limitation. If you use the sword of the Spirit, if you use the Bible today, it doesn't limit you from using the Bible tomorrow. If you use the Bible tomorrow, it doesn't limit you from using the Bible next week. No, I say go straight nuclear in the Spirit and quit playing around with all this carnal 
ideology, like I've got to figure everything out on my own. I've got to explain my position to everybody. I've got to explain what's going on in my life. Nobody understands me. Nobody understands why I'm talking like this. You're trying to explain everything when God says, I want to give you the peace that passes understanding, but you've got to use the Word of God to get, to get what is in the Spirit in the natural. Everything that was formed was formed by the Word of God. Uh, John, the first chapter says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later it says that nothing was even formed outside of the Word of God. When we, believe, when we read Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let there be light, and light did not argue. Whatever God says, that's the way it's going to be. Whatever God says, that's the way it's going to be. You and I just have to get to the place where we choose to use the spiritual tools, the spiritual weapons of our warfare consistently and effectively. And today I'm going to tell you how to do it. Amen? Without the Word, we have nothing. But the Word's power makes manifest through our voice. The Word's power is made manifest through our mouth. In other words, uh, the Bible is laying uh, in most hotel rooms in a drawer. But unless somebody pulls the Bible out of that hotel room drawer and decides to read what that Bible says, and decides to put in their heart what that Bible says, and then the Bible says begins to make confession with their mouth, that Bible still has power, but that power is not activated because it wasn't put in the image and likeness of God and activated on planet Earth. Man, I feel like a Wednesday night in here. But there is a difference between going to battle with your mouth closed and going to battle declaring what the Lord says. The Bible says when, when David uh, was going to fight Goliath that he walked out there with his slingshot and that's about all he had. And Goliath had a huge spear and a sword and a shield and he began to yell at David and he began to tell David, he began to tell David everything that he was going to do. And when he did, he said, I'm going to kill you, David, and I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. And David could have been silent. He could have said nothing. He could have just said, I'm going to use this weapon in the natural to the best of my ability. But I believe David, a man after God's own heart, had a revelation of the power of God, had a revelation of the understanding of God. And he refused to let the giant in his life have the last word and when he was running at the giant he began to declare no anything you think you're going to do to me I'm going to do to you because you might come against me in the name of your heathen gods you might come against me in the name of your power and your might but I come against you in the name that is above every name that can be named no we don't run against the enemy with our mouth closed, the most powerful thing that you have at your disposal is the Word of God. But if the Word of God is not coming out of your mouth, its power will not manifest in your life. There is a strength that comes whenever you speak the Word of God. Hebrews 4 uh, and 12 says this. One of those powerful, most quoted scriptures in the Bible. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Leave that scripture up there, please. I want you to know why the Word of God is so effective. But first, I'm going to describe it to you. Actually, I'm going to use the author's words to describe it to you. The Bible says the Word of God is quick. Everybody say quick. That word in the Greek is zeo, which comes from the root zoe, which literally means alive. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is living. The Word of God is functional. The Word of God has not uh, uh, ceased to have power. The Word of God is alive. That's why I can stand up here, I can read a scripture to you, and every single person is hearing what God needs, to, what, what you need to hear from God in their own situation, in their own words, because the Word of God is alive in your life. If you're taking notes, number word, number one, the Word of God is alive. Number two, the Word of God is powerful. The Bible says that the Word is quick, it is alive, and it is powerful. That word in the, in the Greek is the word uh, energist. We get the word energy from it, which literally means active. The Word of God is active. That means when I say that I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the field, inside of my spirit has activated outside in the spiritual realm, and the Word of God has become active all around me. When I begin to walk into a situation and I say, I thank God that the doors are open in my life. I thank God that I have favor between God and man. All of a sudden, what has come out of my mouth has been energized. It has been energized. It has become active out in the environment that I can't control in the natural because my weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. And when I will put the Word of God in my mouth, which activates the power in this situation, in this realm, now all of a sudden, the Word of God begins to become active active in my situation. I get things that, that you have things come against your body and you get a symptom or a sickness or, or something that's coming against you and all of a sudden you begin to decree and declare, no, that can't be right. That must be illegal because my Bible says that greater is He that's within me. He says that by His stripes I am healed and if I am healed, then I am healed indeed. I'm not going to back off of this thing and all of a sudden the Word of God which is alive that is now activated in the situation, power now begins to move and it begins to actively work things out. You begin to go to the doctor and the doctor says, I can't explain this. And you're just sitting there going, oh God, don't make me shout in here. You begin, to, you begin to put the Word of God into your atmosphere and now not only is the Word of God alive in your situation, but the Word of God is active in your situation, working things out, doing things that you cannot do. You know, my children go to bed about 8 o'clock at night. And my wife and I don't go to bed usually till about 11 and somewhere between 8 and 11 o'clock, things happen in our house that my kids have no idea how it happens. They wake up the next morning and the kitchen's clean. They wake up the next morning and the living room's put back in place. They wake up the next morning and the floor is swept. And they're sitting there looking around. They're saying, somebody must be active when I am not active. The Word of God is active in your situation even when you are not. But it's got to come through your mouth. 
It's got to come out of your lips. It's got to come. It's got to come with the word. See, the word comes in power. The Bible says that the the kingdom of God suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. But our weapons are not carnal. We are not fighting carnal. We are fighting spiritual. So our weapons are aggressive. They are aggressive in the spirit, but they are activated when you speak them. Bump your neighbor. Say amen. amen. Quick and powerful. Sharper, the Bible says. Number two, the Word of God is powerful, it's active. Number three, the Word of God is sharp. I can't tell you how many times that I'm walking through Kroger and I see somebody. I don't know why when I'm walking through Kroger, it's always when I've got like two half gallons of bluebell and a, and a, and a pie that everybody sees me. Sometimes I really do go get vegetables and I'll be walking out with all these vegetables and you know all this grass-fed something or another and I'll be walking out with it. I don't ever see anybody on those days. I see it when I've got the Reese's cups. I see it when I got the the two-liter Dr. Pepper. I'm like, well, glory to God. Yeah, I eat a bunch of ice cream and cake all day. Have a nice day. God bless you. That's always when I see them. Two or three of those pizzas under my... I'm like, I got kids, y'all. It's not for me. And then I'm sitting there crossing my fingers because I'm lying. That's for me. You walk through Kroger, I'll be walking through Kroger. Hey, Pastor Brian. And I, it's, still, it's still new to me. I know it's four years, but it's still new to me. I'm like, Pastor, who is that? What are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, that's me. Oh, hey, how you doing? Think about getting me one of those collars, you know. Those are awesome. So I'll be walking through, I'll be walking through Kroger and say, hey, Pastor, man, you were, you were preaching to me. Whoo, it cut me deep. I'm like, I cut you? I said, man, when you said this, and like all I said was, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But the word of God is sharp. The word of God will cut you. And that word cut, there's a couple different words for cut in the Greek. One is like 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 a chopping and a hacking away. But that's not what it's saying at all. It's saying it's a very decisive cut. It's a very specific. It will get you right in the right spot. That's why when you hear it in your spirit, it's a very direct laceration that cuts you in the place where only God knows needs to be cut away. Number three. Word of God is sharp. Number four, sharper than any two-edged sword. Two-edged sword. We'll come back to that. Number five, the Word of God is piercing. It's penetrating. The Word of God is, is piercing. It's, it's penetrating. You can just read the Bible and all of a sudden your heart is laid bare. In Acts chapter 2, uh, the Bible describes when Peter is preaching the gospel for the first time that people were pricked, they were penetrated in their heart. That's why the only thing I like to say to people when they say, man, I really want to be a better evangelist, I really want to witness to people. Let me tell you something, get good at two things. Get good at the story of an old rugged cross and get good at telling people what God did for you. If you'll do those two things, the Bible says we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And when you do, something miraculous begins to happen and it becomes, you, be, you begin to penetrate. You begin to penetrate, the Bible says. Number six, dividing, the Bible says. Dividing asunder soul and spirit. Make no mistake, the Bible is divisive. 
I, I know um, a lot of people try to make it out like it's not. But the Bible is divisive. There is a way that seems right unto a person, but the end thereof is death. I was talking to a good friend of mine this week, and we were just, we were just talking. And, and we were talking about the goodness of God, and he said, you know, there is no other way. He said, there is no other life. And I started shouting because I like good preaching no matter where it comes from. And I said, I said, brother, that's so good. I said, there is no other life. There is no other life. And all of a sudden, we turned, it, it sparks started flying because iron started sharpening iron right there on that phone call. There is no other way. The Word of God is very divisive. It divides asunder soul and spirit. Those two words are interesting. The word soul is the word psyche, which is where we get psycholo uh, psychological evaluation, psychology, those different things. It means your mind, your will, and emotions it says that it divides the bible says between your side your psychological side and your spirit your pneuma side what god breathed into you meaning when when you are going through life your mind will lie to you it will tell you you're never going to be smart enough you're never going to make it you're always going to have this everybody's against you nobody likes you your, your your emotions will lie to you you'll begin to feel all terrible and you'll think well since i'm feeling it it must be true it's not true your emotions will lie to you your mind your will and your emotions when your will begins to tell you I, I just don't want it to go on any further I don't want to go anywhere it's the word of God that will come and divide the lies away from what God has put inside of you because what God has put inside of you is you are mine and I am yours you are a joint heir with Christ Jesus he divides soul the things that seem to affect us the most Everybody's against me. Nobody likes me. I got to go eat worms. Everybody's against me. And the Bible says, no, I've given you favor with God and man. You don't listen to that stuff. Because he's dividing soul from spirit. He's dividing what's between your ears from what's between his nail-scarred hands. He's dividing everything with the word. Last point. The Word of God is a discerner. Kritikos in the Greek. A judging. We get the word critical from it. And in the body of Christ, we, we sometimes we don't like to think we think the word critical was like a bad word. There's nothing wrong with critical thinking. There's something very wrong for being critical of everything. But the word of God is the judger in your life. So in other words, if God says that he's displeased with people that lay in wait for innocent blood then whether they call it a woman's choice or not, it's not right. Because the Word has criticos, has judged it, has critically decided that it's inaccurate. No matter how convincing the argument, because two people of the same sex decide that they should be able to do what God has decided is set apart for a man and a woman, 
You don't have to be critical. Let God bear the burden. You don't have to be harsh. We can still love. We can still do all those wonderful things. But the Word of God, it judges things to be right or wrong. Now, those are the big ones that, that we get to, and big I'll put in quotation marks, but those are the big ones that we say in church that, that we get a knee-jerk amen on, and I think we ought to get an amen the whole time. But what about the, the, the talking about other people? What about the fact that we're letting doubt and unbelief sit in our mind? What about the fact that we're sitting there thinking that something bad's going to happen to us when God says, I've prepared a future for you that's better than you can ask or think? What about all those things? Hey, God's, God's Word is critical. It divides. It, it sits there and it says, listen, I have already established what is correct. You, 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 you don't have to establish what is correct. You just have to believe me, believe him about what is correct. You don't have to come up with right and wrong. I, I, a couple I love very much. We got married. They got married about the same time Crystal and I got married. And I remember they sat down and they said, man, we decided we were going to just write down everything that, that I thought was right, everything that she thought was right. And I said, well, where's the ultimate? I don't understand. I said, where is the ultimate right? I understand you have thoughts that you think are right, and she has thoughts that she thinks are right, but there has to be an ultimate correct. So what is the ultimate correct? He said, well, we'll just work that out along the way. I said, I love you, man, but you got trouble coming. Seven years later, he's calling me saying she wants to leave me. I said, why? Well, she thinks this is right, and I think this is right. I said, brother. I said, I love you. I said, I'll do anything for you and her. I said, but you can't base what you're going through based on what you think is correct. It has to be based off what God says is correct. Because the Bible is critical. The Bible is, it will critique you. <laughs> the Bible will, will, will if, you know, the Bible says that His Word does not return void. The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, which means the Bible is God laying on a bench. The Bible is God sitting on my table right here. And so the paper, the Bible, iPad, did, did, did uh, Apple have something to do with God? No, what I'm saying is God is alive. His Word comes through that Holy Bible. And when it's spoken out of your mouth, now the same power that it had before is multiplied because it, it becomes, get this, and I'm going to close with this. It becomes the two-edged sword. Two-edged sword, the word two-edged is a very powerful word. I'm not convinced it's a great translation here but it's the word diastomos, which is two words put together. Die, which means die, like two dice, like we have two, like di, divide, divide, die, diastomos. And stomos means mouth. The mouth of a river can mean spoken. He said the word of God is alive. The word of God is it's very active, and it's very decisive, and it's very sharp, like a twice-spoken word. Jesus said this, 
He said, I don't do anything I didn't see my dad do. And I don't say anything he didn't tell me to say. So every time that Jesus said something, be healed. His dad had told him, tell them, be healed. Jesus said, be healed. Twice spoken word. Every time that you get the word of God in you, Every time that you hear a preacher stand up here and say, God says he'll bless you in the city and bless you in the field. That's the first time you've heard it. That's a one time. That's a single spoken word. But on Monday morning when you wake up and you say, I thank God that he has blessed me in the city. It is now an activated, sharper than a twice spoken two-edged sword. And it is active in your life with power and might. It is alive working things out that you cannot work out. But it comes through the power of a twice spoken word word. Genesis chapter 14. The Bible says that, that Abram, he, he goes and he gets a great victory and he comes and he ties to Melchizedek, the prince, the king of peace and, and all of a sudden the king of sin Sodom shows up in the situation and, and he says Melchizedek comes and he brings him the, 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 the bread and the wine to have communion and Melchizedek says, I'm going to bless you Abram, you're blessed, you're so blessed. And he says, as a matter of fact, he says uh, let's just me and you, let's bless the Lord Almighty. He is the possessor of heaven and earth. Genesis 14, Abram had only been living for God for about two chapters that we know about. That's all he'd been in our Bible up to that point. So when Melchizedek said to Abram, God is the possessor of heaven and earth, you can look it up. Abram had never heard that before. Abram didn't have our Bible. He couldn't flip through and say, uh, 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 who, who, who is this God? What did he do? How did he create? He didn't have any of that. So the only thing he had was the once spoken word that Melchizedek told him. As soon as he does that, the Bible says that the king of Sodom, which is the king of sin, shows up and begins to say to him, and make all these promises. I tell you what, I will give you everything that you have uh, uh, taken in victory if you will just give us our people back. Well, let me just say this. Abram went and got the victory. He already possessed everything that the king of sin was telling him that he wanted to give him. In other words, he was the authority in the situation. He recognized that he had dominion over everything and the devil was trying to convince him that he needed to negotiate for something that God had already given him dominion for. So he sits there, he says, he says, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. And Abram says this, he says, he says, I'm not even going to take a shoelace from you. And then he goes like this, he says, you godless heathen. No, I didn't say that. Wait a minute. I like adding that. He says, I'm not even going to take a shoelace from you. Lest it be said that anybody has made me wealthy because I lift my hand to the Lord Most High. And then he said this, then he said this, he goes, the possessor of heaven and earth and the twice spoken word was activated in his life and we still read about Abraham today being blessed in the city, being blessed in the field and I'm trying to get you to put the word of God in your mouth because when you put the word of God in your mouth it becomes a twice spoken spoken word and no devil in hell can stop it no plan of the enemy can come against it but we've got to activate the weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God there's something about living for God 
that positions you for victory on all fronts. There's something about believing God in the face of adversity that positions you for success at all times. But we've got to put the word in our mouth. Stand to your feet, I'm done teaching. Three ways to do it. Number one, read your Bible. If you don't know how to read your Bible, find you a good Bible and a good translation. If you've never started before, just start in the book of John. It's a beautiful book, easy to read. Just read your Bible. And when you read your Bible, bless God, say what God says. Get it out of your mouth. Number two, you listen to great teaching. You listen to people that preach and teach from the Word of God. And then when they say it, let me tell you something. You own it like it's yours. Because that Word of God wasn't given for me. It wasn't given for anybody in particular. It was given for anybody who will believe. And then number three, you've got to get it out of your mouth. One of the greatest, most powerful things that the Word of God does is it will divide that psychological side, which is lying all the time. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not going to make it. Nobody likes you. The, 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 your days are going to be worse in the future. The, the, the sky is falling. It will divide that lie. And it will remind you what God says, which speaks directly to your spirit. 